Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and hit the subscribe button, turn on notifications, like and comment. Let us know what you think of the episode. If there's a particular guest you'd like to hear from or a topic covered, we're always checking comments on there and love to be able to take what you guys are asking for and get on a podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Tom. He owns Crazy Diesel, and he wanted to chat with us a bit about his EPA experience with a visit he had, emissions, the future of diesel trucks. Uh, we're going to chat with him about his business, how he started it, and really just kind of get a, a look into the, the front lines of what a diesel shop owner uh, is facing today with parts that they can get working on trucks and some you know, really good insights as far as what kind of performance is out there for trucks that are equipped with DPFs, EGRs, um, emissions on tuning, things like that. Before we get to it though, I wanna remind you guys that if you're in the market for a knife, our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off site-wide code for you. Just use diesel20 at kershaw.kiausa.com. You can get 20% off anything. So if you need a knife for EDC or hunting, fishing, the outdoors, they've got you covered. And there's a ton of different pricing levels. So no matter what your budget is, what you're looking for, they've got something there for you. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Tom from Craze Diesel and chatting with him about his shop, emissions, what he's you know seeing, what the future may hold for diesel trucks, EVs, ton of different topics. Tom, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I'm excited to chat with you today. I appreciate you reaching out to talk about, uh, you know, your life as a diesel shop owner, things you're seeing in the marketplace, things that are, you know, kind of coming up in automotive that I know everyone's going to be really interested to hear about. So, uh, oh, yeah. welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Let's uh, let's start out with a little bit about your shop and, um, you know, kind of your background when you you started it and what you focus on, what it's been like owning a diesel shop. Okay. So, um, basically I, I started out, you know, working on automotive when I was about 12 years old. My, my dad was a master mechanic. My stepdad was a master mechanic also. They both owned shops. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, here, let me readjust that. All right. So anyways, um, yeah, like I said, uh, my dad and both, yeah, or, yeah. My dad, and my stepdad were both master mechanics. They both had their own diesel shops. Um, you know, I basically started off as a floor sweeper and doing maintenance and stuff like that on light duty all the way up to duty diesels. And then, you know, by the time I was seventeen, I was, you know, diagnosing and, you know, fixing the rigs and everything else. So, and then uh, ended up getting, uh, ended up enlisting in the army. And uh, I actually wasn't doing any uh, mechanics while I was in. Um, I did go to UAA and uh, keep my uh, diesel tech certification uh, towards the end of me getting out. And then I uh, got out and then moved to New Mexico and became a firefighter and EMT and medical examiner for a few years. And then uh, got tired of all that. And so I decided that, you know, it's time to put the tools back in and get back to it and uh, nobody in my community really does like anything diesel specific or anything heavy duty or anything like that. So I knew that there was definitely a market for it because 
you know, most people were having to go down to Las Cruces or up to Albuquerque or El Paso or something like that. So uh, that made things a whole lot easier for everybody else as well. So, and I opened Royal Auto and Visa Services about, I want to say almost two years ago. And it's been a learning experience as far as, you know, running the business and everything. But, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of the shop owners in our area and whatnot. And, you know, they say that, they're blown away with, you know, the amount of progress we've made and everything. And, you know, we're still growing and whatnot. So very, very excited for that. So, and I mean, we've had some hiccups along the way, but you know, no, nothing that I don't think anyone else has ever experienced. And, so. and when you opened the shop, was it just like crazy all of a sudden because of the lack of repair shops that were there where it's just a whole bunch of customers right away? Or did you have to, really be proactive with marketing it and saying, Hey, here's, you know, here's my um, shop. And so what happened was, is, um, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, shop spaces that were available when I uh, first opened my shop. And so, uh, we basically had like a little shop that was in a little bodunk area of town that, you know, people were having a hard time finding it, even if I had signs all over the place and whatnot. So, um, we had to get really proactive, but once the wheels started spinning, I mean, they've, they've just kept getting faster and faster. And I mean, we've moved to a different location now and we're actually getting ready to uh, get our second location in town because we're getting so much of the heavy duty stuff that we're actually going to need a bigger shop to, you know, maintain those guys as well. So that's cool. That's cool. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. That's, I know it's hard to you know, start, start a business and then to have it, you know, grow and get to a second location is quite an accomplishment with, oh, with yeah. the, with the pickup truck side, are you seeing a lot of kind of equally like Ford Ram GM, or is it, you know, kind of two brands or one brand or what do you see on the pickup truck side? I'm seeing a lot more, uh, I'm seeing a lot more power stroke and a lot more comments recently. Um, sometimes we get like, we'll get like the seventh, and the six O's uh, all at once, and then we'll get you know a bunch of six sevens, and then we'll get you know some common rail five nines, and then we'll get you know some 24 valve five nines, and then uh, you know we'll get a bunch of Duramaxes all at once. So it's kind of how it goes sometimes, but uh, right now, uh, we're kind of going through more of a, a heavy duty deal going on right now. Like, I've got six or seven semis just parked out in front right now, so. Yeah, I just did like four of them are insurance jobs, <laughs> which those those things take forever to do because, you know, you got to you got to send in the estimate. Uh, then you, you know, th th they like to try to estimate their stuff extremely cheap. And it's like, uh, no, that's six thousand dollar estimate. That's just going to cover just the parts. So <laughs> I just yeah. uh, I just did an episode about you know big rig semi trucks. And I was really curious because I don't know a lot about it and I haven't really covered it on the podcast. But one of the questions I'd asked the guest was kind of about older ones like pre 07 and the newer ones. So the ones you're seeing at the shop, are they kind of, are they newer, newer trucks or are they the older ones? Uh, kind yeah, of I think, well, I think our oldest one right now is a 97, but uh, other than that, I mean, everything that we have is like 2010 and newer. So, um, Actually, we have one 2010 and the rest are like 2020s. And then we actually had to do a road call today on a 22 Volvo uh, because the way how Volvo made their uh, their boot clamps for their intercoolers, they just keep falling right off. So, oh, wow. 
Is it, how would you say the emission systems are on the newer trucks, like compared to pickup trucks? Are they kind of my perception is they've gotten better with pickup trucks and they're not as problematic as like the early, you know, seven and a half, oh eights, nines. And while they're not perfect, they're better. Is it kind of the same thing on the semi truck side? Uh, yeah. Um, we, uh, I mean, we get our occasional DPF clogs and whatnot. And, you know, sometimes we're able to, uh, sometimes we're able to catch it before it gets too bad and we can actually clean it out ourselves or we'll, uh, if it's too bad, then we'll, uh, end up sending it off down to El Paso to, uh, get cleared out and everything. So with the, uh, de- definitely with the DPS and the emissions and whatnot, um, I would say they are getting better, uh, as you know, the years progress and everything. I mean, like for example, your six O's and your, uh, your Cummins and whatnot, you know, the earlier years for those, I mean, those, yeah, those, <laughs> those were a nightmare for a lot of people. So. Oh, yeah. It, it kind of segues into, I think a, a, a topic that generates a lot of interest with diesel enthusiasts, which is the emission systems and the changing aftermarket and the performance right. side. And you're on the front lines of it. What are, right. what are you seeing with, I mean, I, I know there's a push for, um, emissions compliant tuning and hard parts and then evs are huge now with you know trucks and can there be an ev semi and you know this this whole kind of competition in the market what do you see what are your thoughts on it well as far as like you know the push for more emissions and whatnot or yeah for you know lowering emissions and whatnot i mean i understand things to an extent on that um and like i did say earlier you know i do think that emissions is getting better as far as like, you know, uh, manufacturing the, uh, you know, DPFs and EGRs and whatnot. Um, but, um, I do think that, uh, some of the things like, for example, EV, I think that's, uh, obviously, you know, if you see what's going on in California, uh, where they're telling people, you know, Hey, we don't have the amount of electricity for you guys to be charging your vehicles. You know, you need to get a generator with an internal combustion engine. Well, that totally defeats the purpose. And whatnot. So, um, and uh, we actually had someone recently come by with a uh, EV4 truck, and he, he was just trying to show it to us and whatnot. Like, you know, nothing. He, he wasn't needing any repairs or anything like that. He's actually a friend of the shop, and you know, we were looking through the manual and stuff and saying stuff like, you know, you can't have, you can't have an overhead camper, you can't tow, you know, over this weight capacity and whatnot, and. You know, plus it also takes forever for, you know, these EVs to charge, you know, and if we're doing all EV semi trucks and whatnot, well, if those wheels aren't rolling, those companies aren't making money. Yeah. And, you know, for to spend, you know, five to 10 minutes, you know, filling up fuel compared to hours charging, I mean, it's a no brainer. Yeah. It's, it seems like there's, well, there is um a push for it but it it doesn't feel like the technology is quite there to achieve this grand scale that the push is wanting to do like i can imagine there will be a point where charging times are down where range is better where you can tow heavier but it's not right now and you know you mentioned a really good point about if the wheels aren't moving the company's not making money and that's really important it's important all the time especially now with um, you know, the economy and things going on with 
um, you know, the value of money and, and things like that is people are having to really manage things. And it's just like, it, it feels like it's maybe 15 years out or 10 years. And that's not even covering the infrastructure part of it of where are we going to get the energy from? How, what if we have 20 million EVs on the road or 50 million or hundred million? Where are we going to get the power from? Where, where are they going to charge at? Exactly. And, and the other thing that really concerns me too, is like, for example, Los Angeles fire, uh, they have an EV fire truck. Well, you know, someone that is a firefighter and that knows how things go, you know, uh, that's not a good thing because, you know, that truck can be on a scene for anywhere from two hours to 18 hours. And, you know, and that truck's running the entire time. What's going to happen when, you know, it's dealing with some catastrophic disaster or something like that? Oh, yeah. well. We have to pull this resource offline because we have to go charge our truck. And so, you know, the, that fire, you know, the the people of that community are losing that resource now. Yeah. Well, it, it kind of reminds yeah. me of the stories I've just read. I don't, I don't know a whole lot about it. I've just you know, read it in articles and stuff um, about emergency vehicles with DPFs and when they would get clogged or something like that and they go into fail safe mode. It's like if you have you know somebody got to take to the hospital or you know something on scene and you have first and fourth gear or something like that, that's an issue. And right, it's just it just feels like we're putting the cart before the horse a bit with the EV stuff. Where I do understand the appeal of it, you know, a couple of different ways. <clears throat> like if you lived in a huge city or something, and you know they have the charging stations and it's a smaller vehicle if you want it to park or performance. Like Tesla has some great things. I know Porsche and BMW and other places working on some really fast vehicles. But as far as like a pickup truck and how they're used, it's just, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing how it adds up right now. Right. And then, you know, also, especially with like, uh, what is it? uh, The EV Hummer. Um, You know, they're showing that, you know, going through creeks and whatnot, but you know, you about what's going on uh, in Florida with all these EV vehicles with the uh, Hurricane Ian that, that just came through. These vehicles are just igniting. They're yeah. catching on fire because they've been flooded and everything. Uh, tow companies are having to, you know, put them all in a separate yard because they're just they're just blowing up. And you know, when those things blow up, you can't like you can't just spray water on it or spray some foam on it or anything. Uh, you know, all, you just gotta sit there and basically watch it burn. I saw some pictures from that and I think the article was talking about just how much water is needed to try to fight one of those fires compared to something, you know, that's an internal combustion engine and just the safety hazard. It is when a place gets flooded like that. It was just, it was crazy to see it and read about. Right. And then, you know, you, you, and the thing that worries me about that is, you know, a lot of these flood vehicles, they end up getting auctioned off. And then they get sent all over the country and, you know, these dealers, they don't tell you, Oh, Hey, by the way, this Tesla was a flood vehicle. Well, what if, you know, down the line, they find out the hard way that, Oh yeah, this was a flood vehicle. I mean, that can kill somebody for all we know. Yeah. Or, you know, just to affect a lot. And do you think, do you think there will be, or, 
one of the things that, that I've started to research a little bit is diesel electric kind of hybrid technology. And I think there's a company in Canada that's working on something. And I wonder if that's almost a, a kind of a bridge to, you know, maybe being able to help diesel trucks or be able to offer them some things, but not quite go full EV yet because I mean, we've seen the reports of like the lightning and the towing rating and how right. I don't know if you go 86 miles or 83 or whatever it was, but right. a lot of people buy trucks to do that. They're, they're towing something, they're hauling something. And right. I mean, <laughs> we have a, we have the largest lake in the state here. And I mean, summer rolls around, you're seeing people they're towing, you know, 35 foot camper with, side by side right behind it and everything and, so, and they're coming from el paso albuquerque tucson you know those, i mean they're not going to be able to make it here if they got a you know a ford lightning or anything like that yeah. but honestly um and you know we all know or if anybody knows you know what you know the original diesel engine was made run off of which was peanut oil vegetable oils, stuff like that. Um, honestly, I think it, if we want to reduce emissions, I think it'd be a great idea to start researching into that and seeing, you know, how much, uh, how much lower emissions we can get if we were to go back to that program or if we were to go back into like, you know, running things off of uh, vegetable oil and whatnot, because then if you think about it too, um, you know, that would, also boost the economy drastically especially you know with the farming and whatnot because there's going to be a higher demand for these vegetables there's you know there's going to be a need for more mechanics as far as you know their their tractors and whatnot computer programming you know to program you know your john deere tractor and whatnot so i think honestly that the best way to go about it would try to see you know look into what can we do as far as like you know running off of like something like vegetable oil yeah some of the alternate fuels you know that are yeah. that are out there and i think the technology as well that the oems can provide you know can help a lot as well because one of the things that that i talk about a lot on the podcast is every enthusiast i talk to when i ask them well why'd you get a diesel it's for a few reasons and they can vary in the order that people say it but it's the the longevity of the engine the torque the mileage they can get towing something or hauling something compared to a gas vehicle and once dpfs and egrs were coming on these trucks it was like well you've taken away my longevity my reliability yeah i have a lot of torque and we think of you know power and torque now there it's insane what the new ones come with um but the technology right. has gotten better to where they're not always having o2 sensor issues or you're not clogging the dpf all the time and so i think the technology yeah. aspect is something i really look forward to is just seeing what the OEMs are going to be able to provide. And then the, the aftermarket complements it. And there's so many, so many products now that whether it's right. tuning turbos, fuel systems, injectors, lift pumps that complement the OEM truck really well to, you know, give those guys more power if oh, they, yeah. if they want it. All right. So, and uh, you know, I, I, I get my occasional guy that comes in with a deleted truck and uh, you, you know, it, it's, you know, if it's like a 6.0 that's been deleted, yeah, we can work on it. We can, you know, get it back up and running and everything the way it's supposed to. Um, but, you know, like I had one guy, he came in the other day. He had a 6.7 completely deleted 
and everything. And he's having field rail issues. He's having EGR codes being thrown left and right. And, you know, I asked him, I said, well, you know, who did your, who deleted your truck? And he's like, I got a kid off the internet and they sent me this and this is what's going on. And I'm like, so you kind of got like one of those fly by night companies and he's just kind of like, yeah. <laughs> so, cause a lot of times, you know, if they, if someone comes to me with a uh, deleted truck and they're having issues like that, a lot of times I'm saying, well, we have, you know, a couple different options. One, we can go back to stock or two, you take this back to whoever did, did your delete. So, and it's kind of tricky though to kind of you know when when you're working on stuff like that because uh you, you know you you know that i've had a run with the epa and it was very brief and very minor but you know one wrong move and i could have you know it, it could have shut me down for good especially yeah. with how early i am in this yeah yeah it's definitely a different marketplace with it compared to how it used to be as far as getting you know, reliable tuning. I hear a lot of issues with what is currently out there as it pertains to that stuff, because the guys who have been in it a long time, they don't do it anymore. They've transitioned to, you know, emissions on that kind of stuff. And it's just, you're kind of on your own a little bit, you know, with it. Plus, like you mentioned at the shop level, you have to be careful what you're working on, what you're able to do, some things you can't help with. And yeah, you just got to say, I can't help you. And I know that's not right. fun to tell a customer, a potential customer that, but that's the climate that, that we're in right now. Right. And I mean, like I had one guy, you know, he brought in his Ford F-150 gasser and, you know, he's all like, well, hey man, I was just wondering, like, could you take the cats off? Like, I just want the cats off. And I'm like, no, nah, man, like, <laughs> I, I, I can't, I, I don't even want to do that because, yeah. you know, I don't even know, I, I don't know who this guy is. Yeah. You know, he might, he might be working for the EPA. It might be his thing operation. You're, you know, he might go and tell his friends and, you know, then his friends tell their friends and the next thing you know, it's all over the place. And then I'm getting another visit from the EPA. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, I've had guests tell me that, you know, where it's, um, there, there's just a, a different set of rules, but I think what's been really encouraging is to see how the aftermarket has responded. And I know it hasn't been quick. But what's, you know, the, the 49 or 50 state, you know, legal or, or, you know, tested products that are out there uh, for tuning turbos, injectors, injection pumps, tons of different things where at one point there really wasn't a lot of that. It was just, you know, right. you couldn't keep it all stock and run these parts, but now you can. And so I think that definitely gives some options for guys out there that right. you know, are happy with their trucks, but need a little bit more or need better EGT control. And, uh, you know, just be able to use their trucks how they're using them. Right. And, you know, like the, the companies that we deal with, you know, as far as diesel performance goes, like XTV, Full Force Diesel, those guys, I mean, they're they're all, you know, EPA compliant. And, you know, that's why I deal with those companies is because, you know, I don't want to order a set of injectors or, you know, order a, an exhaust set or something like that. And then, oh, hey, by the way, that's not EPA compliant. Here's a $100,000 fine by the way, you're a felon now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I wanted to ask you more about that because I've seen and had guests on that have talked about going through that process, like for their injectors or for their turbo. 
how much has that changed what you know you can offer uh, a customer so like you know, somebody comes in say i walk in and i go hey i got this 2018 six seven cummins um i want you know a set of injectors and a turbo and you know a tune are there only like two or three or five places you could reach out to where maybe in the past there was like 20 or 30 places that you know you could get um, parts from i i would say uh you know your main guy is like extreme diesel uh full force uh you know the, the bigger names out there i mean you there's plenty that you can get and plenty of horsepower you can get from those guys. And, you know, like it, the, the, the way that um, I see how it's going right now is that um, the market is definitely getting better as, as far as that. Um, obviously California has their own set of rules and everything. You know, you can't, you can't send off a, you know, they don't do tuners or anything like that. Like if I have a customer that comes in and says, Hey, you know, I want more power for my truck. I want a set of injectors or, you know, I want a, a turbo or something like that. You know, I'll sit down with them. I'll say, okay, well, what, you know, what, what's your goals? Like, are you looking to like go hit the racetrack? Uh, is this going to be a strictly racing vehicle or, you know, is this, you know, just a daily driver? Are you towing, you know, and then from there we go, or yeah, we go from there. So like, you know, I'll, you know, recommend them like, okay, well, if, you know, you're looking for a little bit more giddy up and go for your daily driver then, you know, maybe we should go with, you know, a set of these injectors with this turbo and, you know, th this is a tuner that I would recommend. Oh, by the way, uh, I see them, you don't have any gauges or anything. Maybe we should also throw in a set of gauges or, you know, like an edge CTS or something like that. So that, that's. I, th I think one of the okay. things that's trickled down to it too is I had Lenny Reed on from Dynamite Diesel and he was talking about, the process of him going through testing of injectors, say like on a six, seven Cummins and what they've learned trying to get more power out of those trucks within the framework of emissions, they can take some of the things they've learned and apply that towards a VP 44 truck or five, nine common rail and just how much the quality and the precision has increased on the older trucks where they're kind of getting a bump too. in some of the innovation oh, yeah. and the precision that a lot of companies have learned through the emissions testing process. Oh, definitely. And you know, I, I I I totally see you know engines like the seven three, the twelve valve, and you know the twenty four valve. You know th those are still going to be around for quite a while. I, I mean, yes, they are slowly coming off the road and whatnot as years go on. But um, I, I do see that you know th those are going to be around for quite a while. Yeah. Um, unless the government decides, you know what, screw it. You know, these don't have DPFs, they're illegal. Do you, so. what are some common upgrades that that you see people wanting to do on the newer trucks? Is it to do like emissions on tuning? They're just looking for, you know, three or four power levels to choose from. Um, or is it fuel systems? Is it trying to avoid maybe potential issues like with a CP4 where they're, you know, wanting additives and maybe, a, um, you know, a, a disaster prevention kit? And what are some common stuff that, that people are doing on their newer trucks? I'm definitely seeing a lot of disaster prevention kits. Uh, also, as far as like, um, you know, when it comes to down to like, you know, performance and whatnot, definitely seen a lot of injectors, definitely seen a lot of turbos as well. Um, anytime that somebody gets a, a set of injectors or uh, a turbo or something like that, you know, I always recommend some sort of monitoring system for them as well. 
or you know a tuner or something like that. Definitely, if they get injectors, I always try to recommend a tuner. Yeah, for like your seven threes, your six O's, your you know twenty four valves, and you know basically anything that's not all mechanical. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With uh, now with this is a question I just I just thought of, and it's something I've seen pop up like on our YouTube comments or Discord. Is it'll be from somebody who's really interested in starting their own diesel shop somewhere, and somebody had asked how much or where do I learn to be able to really diagnose things like with a scan tool or just be able to figure out what the problem is because the, in the past it was, Oh, you're having issues with your DPF. There's a kit you can buy to solve that or your EGR where now that's not the case. So what would you advise somebody that they don't have a shop yet, but they're thinking about starting one and they're wanting to know how do I learn all I can about just diagnosing and figuring out what's going on with one of the sensors or the DPF or the EGR or something going on with the emission systems. You know, one thing I always uh, take advantage of big time uh, is seminars and classes that, you know, just come up. Like uh, we recently just went over a Cummins diagnostic course and uh, it talked so much on DPFs and EGRs. And uh, I mean, I thought I knew everything when it came to those. And there was just a lot more than I could <laughs> that I was like, holy crap, what what is this? So, um, you know, and all, you know, I, I, I also, you know, uh, I'm always picking up other people's brains and whatnot as well. You know, like I, I've, I talked to some of these guys that have been wrenching for, you know, 40 years and they're still, you know, working at the dealership and whatnot. And, you know, I'll sit there and talk with them and, you know, we'll exchange information and whatnot. And, you know, we, we start picking each other's brains and everything. Um, I, I would definitely say that a lot of people, I, a lot of people are, I would say that if you're getting ready to open a shop, don't be afraid to talk to, you know, the other people, you know, the other shops in your community. Um, you know, I, I was personally worried about that when I first started my shop, I go, great, you know, like these guys are all going to try to compete against me and whatnot. And actually, you know, we, we all work together, you know, minus maybe like one or two other shops, but, you know, we're, we're always, you know, Hey, you know, we're having this issue. I know you work on a lot of these a lot, you know, what, what, what do you know about this? And, you know, like when, when my, when our smaller shops in town get, you know, a diesel in, I'm normally the first person they call like, Hey, we got this going on. What's, <laughs> you, know, you know, shed some light on it. And it's like, give me 15 minutes. I'll be right down there. So with um with the growth that you've had i'm really curious about this as well is has it been hard to manage growing so quickly whether it's with like your team or the space or like the accounting it seems like a lot like you know you get used to a workload and then you're growing and growing and you need help and you need to get you know techs and office people in 
what's it been like growing your team and your space to be able to expand the way that you have? I mean, I could be in a bigger shop in a bigger city right now if I wanted to, but I know personally, I'm not ready for that. Um, at first, you know, like when we, the wheels really started spinning and everything, like we, <laughs> we, we were going full speed, no brakes, nothing, you know, and, uh, Nowadays, you know, I've learned to, you know, kind of tap on the brakes and, you know, hey, wait a minute, we're not ready for that yet. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but, you, you know, to be honest, it's probably besides firefighting and being in the military and all that stuff, I would say this is probably one of the funnest experiences of my life. It's really so. cool because I, it involves so many different things. Like you talked about learning, networking, absorbing information um staying on top of all the changes that are happening new products customer service you know we've talked with shop owners before about billing and you know billing the right way making sure that you know you're staying profitable keeping your shop open so that customer has a place to come back to um yeah. and just that whole pro it, it always fascinates because there's so many different sides of it and it applies to other things it applies to construction companies, real estate, it can even apply to a truck build because a lot of times, like yeah. I said, sometimes you got to you know, pump on the brakes a little bit. It can be the same thing with a build where we just want to jump in right away, but are we really ready to have the truck down this right. long or should we stop and invest more into the engine while it's out now and, or the transmission. And so there's a lot of, a lot of topics that overlap there. Oh yeah, definitely. I actually, uh, I just bought a, uh, 99, uh, F-250 with a 7.3 in it, and um, I was getting ready to pull the motor and have the truck down for, you know, probably three or four months, and then I'd look over at the, in the corner of the shop, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I got a 7.3 sitting right there. We're just going to go ahead and build that, and then when that's all set, ready to go, it's got the new turbo, all the new injectors and everything, we'll just throw that puppy in there, and, you know, it's going to be a weekend thing, but you know what, you guys are going to pay it overtime. Um, I would definitely say as a piece of advice for, you know, people that are going into, you know, that's are wanting to open their own shop and whatnot. Um, I would definitely learn to say no and do not chase the bottom of the barrel because, you know, uh, I, I see on a lot of forums with new shop owners and, and I was this guy when I, when I first started, you know, I wanted to be the lowest price guy in town, you know, saying yes to every single job and whatnot and you know i i i realized that i was doing more harm to myself than i was doing good yes i you know maybe for the first couple of few months uh you know maybe have your rates lower than everybody else that way people are starting to know who you are and whatnot um but i i would definitely say you know maybe the first three months and then you know put your rates where you, where you belong um, I have an excellent group of guys that work for me. Uh, you know, one of my guys, I mean, hell, I, I can put him against anybody in this county and he'll work circles around him all day. And, um, you know, I'm very, very fortunate to have the, the team that I have right now. Um, and th there's there's been a lot of, you know, uh, I've had to make a lot of tough choices as, as well as, you know, building my team and whatnot. I've had, you know, I've, I brought guys on and, you know, they were doing stellar. And then, you know, a couple months later, it's like, Hey man, it's not working out. You know, I got to let you go. 
and you know, wish you the best. And you know, I, I hope you do good. If you need anything, give me a call. Um, the other thing that I would definitely say is def or I, I don't know if I said this, but don't be afraid to say no. You know, um, I, I get a lot of customers that come in, or I wouldn't say a lot, but I get that occasional customer that comes in and, you know, we're sitting there talking and everything. And I can tell this guy is going to be nothing but a headache. And it's like, you know what? I, I don't think I can help you. So, and there's some customers that I've brought in and, you know, we start working on their stuff and, you know, they're calling us every 15 minutes, wanting an update and everything. And then finally you get their vehicle out the door and, you know, hey, man, if, you, if anything happens to the vehicle, call me. And then they say, oh, well, my 2004 excursion or, you know, whatever is acting up. And it's like, eh, I don't have time for that. <laughs> so, you know, definitely learn how, you know, definitely learn how to say no to a customer. Because, and, you know, I think people, especially like, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 30 years old. But, um, you know. Like growing up in the 90s and the early 2000s, and everything, you know, we always learned that the customer is always right. Well, you know, and I, I, especially, you know, after, you know, the pandemic and everything, I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, that, that phrase, the customer is always right, is actually being phased out in, in a way. So, yeah, it's something where, you know, I think of, that like you know some shops say for example are geared up to do conversions like that's their specialty that's what they do is you know that's just what they that's what they're really good at and i can imagine when a you know somebody's starting out and trying to get business somebody says hey i want to do this fummins thing and if it's not your bread and butter how much time it could take and the learning oh, yeah. curve with it where maybe they're geared up to do something else and so I know that that's something that can be a challenge, you know, early on is oh, you know, what's a specialty. There's some shops out there. I know they just build pretty much race vehicles. Other ones, you know, they do maintenance, a little bit of this and that. So I think really finding that niche or, or what you want to work on, what your guys are set up for, what they like to do, what they're efficient at can really help them, you know, through that growth processes, you know, defining what is it that I exactly want to do. Right. And, and I mean, like, yeah, we do work on, uh, you know, we, we, we got like one four banger Honda in the shop right now. And honestly, that's probably going to be our last one. Uh, you know, if it's not, if it's not at least a pickup truck and we're probably not going to work on it or, you know, a bigger SUV, like an excursion or something like that, because we, I've, I've learned over the years that, you know, those, you know, or over the last, you know, year and a half, two years, whatever, um, that, you know, those little cars and whatnot, they're not our bread and butter. You know, we, my crew doesn't like on them. I don't like dealing with them. Uh, and, you know, there, there's plenty of other shops in our area that can handle that, you know, and plus I, they take up space. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, my, my semi, I, I need my semi trucks. I need my, you know, my six O's, my, my Cummins, my Duramaxes in there because, you know, those guys are willing to pay the money for someone that has the experience. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, it, and, and then plus, Oh, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> and, and, and then plus, you know, like 
it, 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 it makes things a lot easier on us because, you know, we don't have to worry about, you know, all these Subarus and Hondas, which I will never touch a Subaru again. I actually, my mom owns a Subaru and that's the only Subaru I work on. And I've been trying to talk her out of getting rid of that thing. But anyways, um, it, you know, there, I, I could be working on those all day, but they're not going to make me the, the amount of money that, you know, a, a six, seven power stroke or, you know, a, a Detroit diesel or anything like that, you know, and, you know, we we also do, you know, a lot of roadside service and whatnot for our customers. But, you know, I've had to, you know, have a customer, you know, I get a customer that calls me and says, you know, hey, uh, my Ford Expedition broke down. Uh, can you come out here and help me? Well, my rates, my roadside rates are set up for the truckers, not for people with these little, you know, with these little gassers and whatnot. So, I had to explain to them, well, you know, if I do come out there, this is what's going to cost them. They look at me like, whereas, you know, if I, if I tell a semi trucker, you know, Hey, this is what's going to cost just for me to come out there, you know, with mileage, you know, plus whatever parts we're going to need or whatever. Um, you know, they're like, get out here. I need you now. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, that probably streamlines the shop a lot too. If you're doing, you know, Cummins Duramax Power Stroke, the way you can structure the parts and the fluids, the things you're going through on a weekly basis probably makes it more efficient as well with the team there and skiing vehicles in and out and back on the road. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised with, you know, how, how, how well we've taken off because, you know, when I, uh, when I told people what I was planning on doing, they were like, nobody here is going to want to, you know, have a bunch of horsepower cramped in their Duramax or their Cummins and whatnot. And it's like, man, now I get like 75 year old guys that are like, Hey, I need to set up injectors. <laughs> so, you know, it's not just, you know, the younger generation like us. No, you, you're getting those older guys coming in there saying like, Hey, I'm getting ready to take this thing out to, you know, or I'm getting ready to take my RV across the country. Uh, you know, what, what can you guys do to just make it a lot more efficient? Yeah. So what, um, what kept you going when, you know, people would say that to you early on, like, Oh, it's not going to work or uh, you're not going to, you know, get these kind of people that want to come in and spend this money. Was it perseverance? Was it a team? Was it a mentor? Maybe all the above where, you know, when people are saying this isn't going to work and you made it work, what would you attribute that that to? Um, I would definitely say I'm hard headed. <laughs> you know, people will tell me like that's not going to work, and it's like, tell me why it's not going to work. I don't like that answer. Okay, we're we're going to go for it. And you know, there, there's been a there's been a lot of things that I've tried to do and I failed, and you know, it's like okay, well, we're not going to try. try we're, we're, we're going to still try to get the same result, but we're not going to try doing it that way. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, like, and, and there's been times where I've been at the shop, it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm sitting there by myself thinking to myself, like I can shut my doors right now for good and never come back to this place. But then I'm going to 
tell or every single day after that i'm going to be telling myself you're an idiot for doing that so and you know when, when i had the epa visit that's honestly what i was thinking about doing uh you know i i, I was like i don't know what's going to happen here and you know, I, I got all my guys together and I said, look, man, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I I am considering shutting this place down. And one of my guys just kind of looked at me like I was an idiot and like, really? Come on, man. You, you think a, a couple of government guys are going to, you know, shut or, you know, shut this whole operation down? Like, come on, man. So, and, uh, Actually, I do kind of want to hit on that whole EPA deal that that I went through because, and I know you know about it and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so, um, so went to my shop or yeah, doing the whole morning thing and whatnot. And these guys they roll up in a SUV, and you know they're saying, "Hey, we're with the EPA. Uh, we're here to do an audit." And you know they all they handed me was just a couple business cards and you know they were government and all that and you know they wanted to search my shop they wanted to um you know go over my customer records my financial records all that stuff and i was like well i don't see a court order so i'm not gonna let you guys come in here and when you guys decide that you guys want to come back with one then sure i'll let you guys go through it all um and honestly, that was the scariest moment of my life, I, I would definitely say. Um, and that's when I pulled everybody together and I said, this is what happened. Um, I don't know what's going to happen after this, you know, from what the EPA just told me, they can lock us out of the shop and keep everything that, you know, we've all worked hard for. So um, they ended up coming back with a... Uh, I'm not sure if it was a warrant or a court order, but basically, you know, I, I had no choice. And, uh, you know, they had to step out of the shop and everything. And um, they they went through the shop, but they they were only in there for like five, 10 minutes or maybe 15 minutes max. And I mean, I already had everything printed out. Like I had called my attorney and everything uh, before they came back. And, you know, he just said, just make sure you have everything ready to go because they're probably going to show up. So um, I did find out though that it was a uh, anonymous complaint, um, which I think it was from a uh, government organization that we actually had to file a lawsuit against for fixing their vehicle, because they basically told us that if we wanted to get paid, we would have to sue them. <laughs> wow! So, which they ended up paying us outside of court, but I think it was more of a retaliation thing. It's crazy yeah. how that how that can happen or be used in a way where, you know, I'm sure you showed up that day, had a list of things to work on. And then, you know, when an agency shows up and says, Hey, we want to check this out. We've all heard about it. I've had them on the podcast. They, you know, there's places that have talked about it, magazines and YouTube videos. You know, it's, it, it's scary because it's, it's so large and it can be intense. And it's just like, that's how yeah. easy it and, is. You know? And, and you don't even know, like, you know, you could be, you could be in violation and not even know it. Yeah. And, and like the, the only, the only two things that they were concerned about, they, they asked me, they're like, what's up with this uh, exhaust piping you got sitting here? 
And I was like, well, we do exhaust work for semi trucks and whatnot. So, you know, we have exhaust, you know, we have exhaust piping here ready to go. And then they also, uh, they, they, they touched briefly on, they saw our 30 pound AC bottle or yeah, our R134A bottle, but they didn't see an AC machine. They're like, uh, this is in, in compliance. And I actually had to show them a work order like, Hey, it's actually out getting repaired right now. We're not in AC season. So we're, we're probably not even going to be working on ACs anytime soon. So yeah. those are like the only two things they asked about. And, um, as far as like our customers and whatnot, I've, you know, I've reached out to a bunch of our customers and, you know, I've asked them like, Hey, did you get a phone call or anything from an agency or anything like that? And they've all told me no. So, um, I do think that there was a, a attempt or I think they tried to do a sting operation on me when I first opened up though, because, um, they, they had two separate, they had two separate Duramaxes come in and, uh, they were both having uh, emissions issues. Uh, the first guy, he was just low on dev, and uh, you know, I just told him, I was like, "Well, that's that's all you got going on." He's like, "Well, I, I wish there was a way that we could, you know, just delete the whole thing." And I was like, "Yeah, that's illegal, and I'm not going to do that." So, you know, he went on his way. The second guy, though, like he pulled up and he was like, "Oh my gosh, you know, I'm having this issue," and yada yada yada, and. Uh, you know, I plug in the scanner and everything and I scan it and I'm like, oh, it looks like you're having some O2 sensor issues. Let's go ahead and crawl into there and take a look at them. And you, you can tell it was blatantly unplugged. And I mean, this guy was like bugging me hardcore, like, oh, well, what about emissions delete? Do you do them? Oh, come on. You know, you, you, you know, you can easily do this. And he's like, do you have a phone number for anybody that does them? And, um, it was just weird. And like, they both had the same story that they were traveling from El Paso up to Albuquerque and they just so happened to, you know, have these issues in this town. Well, about three or four weeks later, I found out that a shop or another diesel shop uh, a couple hours away from here had got popped for doing emissions deletes. And uh, I was actually uh, talking to, one of my buddies that was working at that shop, he was like, yeah, this guy rolled up and, you know, was having issues with his Duramax and, uh, you know, it was a simple fix and he asked if we could do it. And so I was like, well, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a, it's definitely a different, a different kind of environment, but that's good. Those are good insights for you know, somebody who's starting out out there and, you know, may not know what the climate's like is just understand then also truck owners as well like you know shops are under pressure companies are under pressure there's rules they have to follow and so you know it's just a, oh, yeah. a framework you guys got to op operate under because you know, we've had other guests on that have gone through that process and they have gone through the court proceedings and everything else and it's it's a nightmare so <clears throat> you know oh, yeah, i think definitely. i think that's um, that's good insight yeah, and uh, you, you know it's it's coming down to the end user now. Also, I mean, you're hearing about people in these different states that you know they're posting their truck up for sale and everything, and you know someone goes out there and looks at it, and the next thing you know they get something in the mail saying like, "Oh, hey, by the way, your registration's suspended, and you know you can't you can't drive your truck, you can't sell it until you put that emission stuff back on." So, 
and you know it, they might have just bought that truck like that so um yeah. i i think as the years go on and as emissions you know progresses and everything um or well at least the technology um you know i th think that they will you know people will be looking at those uh deleted trucks value so to say i mean you know people are like oh yeah my truck's deleted yeah it's 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 easily worth 40 grand that you know stuff that you're seeing on facebook marketplace and whatnot so yeah we've heard stories about that as well as far as dealerships and selling you know vehicles and that's a whole kind of topic you know in 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 itself is how how that's changed so what the end user can sell or what a dealership's willing to take or not take definitely affects that you know that side of it so it's it's um it's definitely changing a lot and, and i think you know a lot of things you talked about on here with you know evs and you know building your business and some of the pressures and the epa visit it's I love doing these episodes because you guys are on the front lines of seeing everything and people are genuinely curious. They want to know what those visits are like or what you can get or um, what they can expect if they go to a diesel shop. Like, what can I do to my you know 2022 or 2020 oh, yeah. truck and, and everything? So I appreciate you reaching out to us, sharing your story. Yeah. I wanted to have Definitely. people be able to follow you on Instagram or Facebook. Where can they go and see what you're working on? I, I, we subscribe to you. I love seeing your videos and stuff. They're they're cool. What you guys got so, in the shop? Um, yeah, so we uh, it, Instagram is crazed underscore diesel. Um, I also have a link there for uh, I think it, <laughs> pretty sure it's uh, Royal underscore Auto and Diesel, and then uh, our Facebook page is Royal Auto and Diesel Services LLC. So and. Sure. Uh, we, we do ship nationwide um, if it's available through XTP and full force and, you know, rough country and whatnot. I mean, we can definitely get it for you, um, you know, and I love doing package deals with people and whatnot, you know, uh, building with, you know, building relationships with people all over this country and whatnot. So, there, you know, it, and we're slowly growing on that part. You know, a lot of people, especially nowadays with like, you know, the, the issues going on, like, you know, people are getting scammed and whatnot for diesel parts and whatnot. So, you know, we have to, you know, basically build everybody's trust with that. So, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, so far, uh, so good. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I appreciate you messaging us and, and chatting with us about what you did. And I encourage people to go over, follow you, ask questions. Maybe they want to know something about the shop or building their truck or um, maybe their semi truck. And, uh, yeah, so like I said, I appreciate you reaching out. I enjoyed our chat today. And, uh, yeah, you know, keep us updated. Let us know, us know about your growth, oh, yeah, your, you know, your business and, and things you guys are seeing. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it was great talking to you also. Don't forget, Diesel fans, make sure and head on over to Kershaw.kiausa.com. Use code Diesel20 for 20% off site-wide if you're in the market for a knife. They've got a ton of different knives, so whether you're an enthusiast or you need something to really work hard, throw in a toolbox, something around the house, or hunting or fishing. They've got something for everybody, and we really appreciate our friends over there offering this discount code just to Diesel Podcast listeners. Also want to give a shout-out to Tyler Lowen of 23Diesel, Caleb. Um, our Patreon supporters, all the rest of our Patreon supporters, all of you are watching on YouTube, podcast apps. We appreciate your support over the years. We love to hear from you guys. If you're not on our Discord, make sure and jump on there. There's almost 700 uh, 
hardcore diesel podcast fans that are on there. We're always chatting about truck builds, cool things we're working on, getting advice from people who may have built a truck a certain way. And we're going to, you know, we want to get similar results. So we're chatting about turbos and injectors and tuning and transmissions and just getting a lot of great ideas. So I'd love to see you over there. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.